Have you ever started a difficult leadership task and felt alone, inadequate, or unworthy? This week's guests, Jeff Zoll and Jimmy Casas, share how, through their connection with other educators and leaders, they were able to gain inspiration, knowledge, and confidence to overcome the most difficult task of their careers. In this episode, we discuss the process to connect with other leaders, regaining your confidence in a leadership position, and the best advice they've ever received. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Jeff and Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Appreciate it, Josh. Looking forward to it. Guys, you both have been on the podcast before, and to my listeners, if you haven't listened to these two gentlemen, they are fantastic leaders and an inspiration. Every time I listen to them, it makes me a better leader. Jeff, I want to thank you because you joined me very early on the podcast. I want to say I was an infant podcaster. I was a baby. I didn't know what I was doing, and you came on and you rocked it. I want to thank you so much for being on this journey with me from the very, very beginning. I appreciate that, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, and Jimmy, you were on the podcast a year ago, and you guys... I swear, every other time I look, you are writing a book. And now I just saw that you guys have built a publishing company. And Jeff, will you just kind of share with the listeners what that project's all about? Yeah, sure. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about that a little bit. Jimmy and I joke, we've written so many books, we've exhausted our capabilities. So we had to start a publishing company because we can't write any more books ourselves. No, but it's interesting. I'll let Jimmy talk about his journey with the writing, but we have written a few books together and Todd Whitaker joined us in a couple of those as well. But really for a couple of years now, Jimmy and I have been talking about the idea of publishing other authors. And part of that I think came about Josh, because so many people were reaching out to each of us individually and saying, hey, I'd like to write a book. You know, and I can't tell you how many uh, friends of mine have kind of turned on to Corwin or Routledge or Dave Burgess and and some of whom have gotten contracts with those. And I feel like I've bounced a lot of ideas off potential authors. And Jimmy and I talked and we said, hey, let's uh, let's try to do this ourselves and uh, maybe do something a little bit different with it. But uh, I'm passionate about the editing process and the formatting process. I was a high school English teacher at the end of my teaching career, and I I love writing and I love editing. So I kind of bring that aspect to it a little bit. And Jimmy, he'll, he'll downplay his skills as a writer. But one thing I really value with Jimmy is his ability to improve the content of a book. He oftentimes will have much better feedback in terms of the content than I will, Whereas I think I maybe offer a little bit more on the editing part of it. But but anyway, so we started talking about that. And this year, you know, to be honest with you, a little bit of the pandemic came into play too. And because a lot of our speaking gigs that we were doing at the conferences, the What Great Educators Do Differently com- conferences, some of those were postponed or canceled. And that gave us time to devote some attention to this. And we started, we, we signed a few contracts with some authors. But while we were waiting for that, we said, let's learn this uh, process and we published kind of almost a little bit as a test of the publishing process, but also put out hopefully some good quality stuff. We put out a little action guide for Jimmy's two books, Culturize and Live Your Excellence. And then we published a small book that's sort of done kind of well. We were proud of it. It's just, it's called Daily Inspiration for Educators, uh, Positive Thoughts for Every Day of the Year. And uh, so we put those out while we were waiting for some actual books from other authors to come in. And that timing worked out well. And now we've published two books by outside authors. And we've got about, gosh, Josh, looking down the road, probably about 10 more in the pipeline now. Maybe maybe two more will come out this year. And then 
those other eight then or so would be for next year. But that's kind of how it started. That's uh, just a little bit about it. And uh, I'll let Jimmy fill in some blanks there. Yeah, Josh, just uh, like Jeff said, you know, a couple of things that come into mind. Jeff and I have been talking to this, uh, talking about this for a couple of years now. And part of the reason is, to be honest, is like twofold. Number one is, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Jeff, you know, just the entrepreneurial mind, right? We're always just kind of trying to think of different things that we can do to support educators to continue to reach a broader audience. We know how challenging it is to be an educator, especially whether you're a classroom teacher or whether you're support staff or whether you're a school or district leader. Jeff has, you know, obviously a lot of experiences in those areas and myself as a building principal for 22 years, I understand the complexities that come with that. And I think one of the things that I really enjoy doing is I'm always trying new things. I, I like challenging myself. I like setting goals. I like taking risks. I like learning more about things that I'm, I don't feel real comfortable doing, whether it was when I first started writing and then, of course, the publishing side of it. So we started talking about this, that we thought we could do it. We also had really good models in Dave and Shelley Burgess. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them were, you know, certainly instrumental in inspiring us. I mean, we watched Dave you know, take a, his kitchen table <laughs> and turn it into a, you know, a multi-million dollar business because yeah. of just a dream and the passion and him and Shelly coming together to make this happen. So, you know, they were certainly inspirations and, you know, we, we certainly look at them as models and are grateful for that, their friendship and grateful for their support as well. And so this has been fun. It really has. I'm learning a lot as we go through it. I know Jeff is too, but just the opportunity really to help other educators get their voice out. I mean, you know, it's certainly something when you hold a book in your hand, it is, it's an overwhelming experience because it's something, it's a sense of pride. Mm -hmm. And I know not only for myself, but the two authors that we've already published, especially Emily Pascal in her first book, to hold your book in your hand for the very first time is a big deal. And so I think we feel really good about supporting educators, getting their voice out, getting their message, but also helping other educators support one another in this in this journey. But uh, so far, uh, we've really enjoyed it and look forward to continuing along that path. Yeah, that's awesome. Emily was on the podcast not too long ago, and she's such a phenomenal leader, and she shared so much content wonderful content on the podcast so for the listeners if you haven't checked out emily's book and that episode make sure you go and do that gentlemen you guys are connected and it seems like you've been connected for so long and that's such a piece that i've been trying to let our listeners know about our aspiring leaders that you need to make sure that you're finding like-minded people and people that are going to challenge you and connect with those and make a quality pln so how did you guys partner together originally? Like, what is the origin story between Jimmy Casas <laughs> and Jeff Zoll? Well, that's funny, Josh. We For one year, we were living a mile apart on opposite sides of the Mississippi River. Uh, I was in Rock Island, Illinois. Jimmy was in Bettendorf, Iowa, of course. And for that one year, about six months of it, I had no idea who he was. And I had no idea, therefore, that I was living a mile from him. And a mutual friend of ours, Nancy Blair, I think she's at Blair Teach on Twitter, I was actually bringing her into Rock Island. I was the assistant superintendent there to do some PD uh, right after the January. So it was like J the January 6th PD day that off oftentimes districts have. And she said, oh, if I come up there, I got to connect with Jimmy Casas. I've been seeing him on Twitter and I had never heard of Jimmy at that time. You know, we we're just sort of both starting. I think we each had a couple thousand followers and I didn't know him or follow him. But Nancy had been following him and was really impressed with what he was doing at Bettendorf High School. And she said, hey, he invited me to come tour the school on a Sunday and take me out to breakfast. And, uh, you know, he invited you to come as well. And I, and I said, gosh, I'm too busy with this PD day the next day. But she made me go. And uh, 
So either she's to blame or credit for the relationship we've had since then, because uh, we hit it off. I was real impressed with the tour of the school and, and just his energy and just his kindness, right? I make fun of Jimmy a lot, but just what a good guy. I'd never met the guy. And he, he wanted to show me his school for, geez, it must've been, you know, more than an hour and then wanted to take us out to breakfast. And, uh, but that was, uh, I don't know, gosh, probably maybe seven years ago. Of course, started uh, from there. That started it. And then one thing led to another. And maybe about three years after that, I was actually on a Voxer group with about 10 other school leaders. And I just threw it out to the school leader Voxer group. Hey, is anybody interested in writing a book? I think I'm ready to write another book. And the only one to reply to me privately was Jimmy. He said, hey, I've never written. I'm not a great writer, but I'd love to write a book. And, and my idea for that book that I had already talked with Todd about was what connected educators do differently. Uh, because so much of what we were doing at that time, we were learning. It was new then. And we were so inspired by the Twitter PLN. And so the three of us wrote that book. And then ever since then, Jimmy kind of picked it up before that, really saying, you know, he's he's a, always on to the next thing. And he's kind of pushed me in that way, too hopefully on to the next genuine, authentic thing that can be a, a source of help to other educators. We've worked real hard in our careers and I taught for 19 years, was an administrator for 19 years. I know how hard all of those jobs are and uh, hopefully we're giving back and, and doing some good work in the process. That's how we started way back when and, and I still remember that day. It was a fun day, Jimmy. Yeah, it was and he's uh, spot on. You know, the beginning, obviously, not only just a partnership, but more importantly, as a friendship. And I'll say this about Jeff, too. He is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I know he makes me smarter, although sometimes we kid each other, we make each other dumber. <laughs> but he really does make me a lot smarter because just the way he he just knows so much about so many different things. And, uh, and I'll be honest, I tell people all the time, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I have a lot of gaps in my learning. That's what happens when you don't take serious school seriously for your entire school career. Right. And, uh, and so I paid the price many times over in that in confidence and content knowledge, but uh, I am a learner and I like to learn and I'm a quick learner. And once, you know, I'm pretty much all in with anything I do, people who know me, you know, Jeff and I talk about the competitive nature of that, but it's also a, a driven nature, a work ethic nature, a pride nature, right? And there's all these things that come into play. And so, so yeah, I just feel very blessed. I still remember, you know, when Jeff and Todd shared that with him, I didn't think it would actually happen. Um, you know, Todd was always one of my idols. I, you know, certainly knew Todd very well. I, I didn't know Jeff and I'd met him and and then I'd learned that Jeff had written books with Todd and now I'm even more curious about that relationship. And and of course, when I met Todd, you know, same thing. It was like I'd known him forever. He was just so easy to talk to and made me feel so welcome. And uh, as we began the process of writing that book, and this is always a reminder for people who hesitate, right? Whether they think they don't have the confidence. Even prior to that, when I started writing for the first time, that was blogging. Really encouraged and supported by George Kuros, who challenged me and thought I should be writing, thought I had a story to write. And so I started blogging with his with his push and his encouragement of I always share with people. He said, just write like you talk, Jimmy. That's all you need to do. You don't need to be, you know, some fantastic writer. You're, you have a message and you have a story and people need to hear it. And so that made me feel good. And then, of course, Dave Burgess reaches out to me a few years later, actually right before What Connected Educators and said, hey, I love your blog and would love for you to write a book for me, right? And he was just starting off too, and I was very humbled by that. Although I'll be honest, I just didn't, I was like, no way I could do that. Like, <laughs> I, I can't write a book, you know I mean? 
blogging's hard enough as it is. It yeah. literally takes me all day to write one blog post. You know, I just still don't have a lot of confidence and it's still grueling and excruciating. But then starting with that book, it was a good opportunity because I would have two people who could really support me and guide me. And I wanted to learn the process. And I, in the course, in the back of my mind, I still had this idea with Dave want me to write this, you know, what he called a manifesto, right? So I still remember sitting down to begin my process of writing what connected educators do differently. Jeff gave me some tips, look at some other content, look at some other books, try to get a feel for it. I remember going to sit down to write and literally just this, I'm not going to do, I can't do this. I called him and said, Jeff, I want to bail. <laughs> I can't do this. This was a mistake. Oh, no. I should have done this. And he's like, no, 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 you got this. Just start writing. You're, you're, you're overthinking it. Just write and let the, let the words come and don't worry about where it fits in and where you're going to use it. Just write the content. You have the content in your head, just write it and let, we'll go back and edit it. We'll go back and do this and clean it up and all that. So, and then literally I wrote for like two days. I was all fired up after that. So, but uh, anyway, that just goes to, it's a reminder that when you surround yourself with people who want good things to happen for you, who support you and encourage you and really have your best interest at heart because they just want to see you experience some success. To me, those are great leaders, great leaders who want to see other people experience success. Yeah. They're not in for their own success because they know that will eventually come on its own. Yeah, I just feel very blessed with all those people coming into play. So it's a reminder, nobody gets where they're at without other people's help. Yeah. And I've been blessed to have a lot of different people coming into my life who championed for me. And, and now again, here's an opportunity to pay it forward. I think that's a great segue to my next question because, you know, so many people come to you for support and it might be in regard to books and how to write that and the process with that or with leadership. And I know you guys have been building leaders and administrators at the central office too. And so I can only imagine how many people have come to you for leadership advice. But for those who may not have a, a mentor or someone to help them coach, you know, what should those folks do to help their leadership journey? So I think it depends on where they are in that journey. If they're yeah. just starting out in the journey, let's say that it's a teacher leader who maybe wants to be an administrator. It's connect yourself with all the best people you know you can find and reach out to them and see what they're doing and ask questions how they got to where they are and learn from them. And most people are willing to do this, right? I think it's important to find somebody on site that you connect with on a, on a more regular basis, but then also expand that connection to outside your physical space and around the world. I think once you get that leadership position, uh, there again, you still have to maintain that PLN. Once you become an assistant principal or principal, Josh, as you as you all know, it's there's not that many in that role in a school, right? Yep. You can become an island. You don't reach out beyond the school. But I think when you take that first leadership position, you know, I look back to that first one when I took that first leadership job and I thought, wow, I'm going to do things this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. You know, going into it, I thought I had a lot of the answers, quite honestly. And little did I know that that's just not the right way, right? So to listen and learn, I remember when I took my first principal job, I just spent most of the summer, it was a big staff of about 200 uh, folks, and I just invited everybody in for a 20-minute one-on-one where I didn't say much at all. I just asked three questions. What are we already good at? What do we need to get better at? And how can you help? And those are three kind of cool questions. Once I got the theme started to emerge, you know, frankly, on those three questions, I knew what we were good at. I knew what we needed to get better at, at least in the perception, which is reality of the 200 folks. But also the third question was important too. Uh, how can you help? I kind of had them, some, they paused on that some people, right? But I kind of had this all in writing, like here's what people said they were willing to do. Because I think uh, if you're trying to lead the school on your own, 
uh, you're going to fail. It takes a team. And one thing that we said in the book, uh, Start Right Now, it's something I've been saying for years and years and years. Maybe it's because of my 19 years of teaching experience. I never thought of myself as just a teacher, right? How I hate that term, just a teacher, to equate the word just to the world's most important job. Yeah. And uh, I certainly felt I was more than just a teacher. I was leading in many ways. So I always say that every uh, leadership quote I've ever had, if you replace the word leader with teacher or leadership with teaching, that quote makes just as much, if not more, sense. So uh, great teachers are also great leaders, and great leaders need to remember that they should still be teaching. So I think that's another piece of advice I'd give leaders maybe further along on the journey. Don't forget you are a teacher. Find opportunities to teach, whether it's at you know, PD sessions, staff meetings, or getting back into the classroom and co-teaching with teachers. Jimmy, what do you got on that? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because as you well know, Joshua, Jeff and I certainly didn't chat ahead of time to have this conversation about what we were going to talk about, but it just goes to show you how we're really aligned in our thinking. Mm -hmm. And part of that is a lot of influence, you know, that he's had on me, or maybe I've even had some on him, but he's absolutely right, right? We're in the teaching and learning profession, and we can't remember, in my opinion, the you know, both are equally important, right? We should be teaching, but we should also be understanding what it means to be a learner all the time, because I think we're all evolving. I don't think any of us are ever gonna have this job figured out, that's for sure, because the variable is unpredictable. That variable is children, that variable is adults, and it can shift day to day. So the skill set is to be able to adjust and develop those skill sets over time to be able to respond appropriately with whatever skill set is required in the moment, if you think about that. so. So the idea of what connected educators do differently when we wrote that book, I remember one of the things that Jeff, you know, talked about in one of his chapters that he wrote about is this whole idea of giving, right? How PLN people, people in a PLN give twice as much as they receive. Yep. And, and Jeff's great at that, right? And he modeled that to me early on is that we're still, still in the service profession. And so when people reach out, we respond. And Jeff has a great story about that, that he shares that, you know, maybe he wants to share that here in a little bit. But, but the idea is that we make ourselves available because the idea of giving others of our time is really the, probably the, the pre most precious gift we can give anybody, right? Even people that we don't even know. So I would say to people right now, don't hesitate to reach out and connect with people, even though you may not know them, you may be surprised that they're willing to help. And then the next second thing I would say is, and Jeff kind of alluded to this, is don't ever forget you're a teacher. And I would align teacher with the same thing as coaching. And Jeff's absolutely right. No one can lead this by themselves. So how do we develop this community of leaders? And how do we begin to see ourselves as a teacher or a coach? And rather than evaluate people, how do we begin to coach people to become better, not only better versions of themselves, hopefully, but help them develop their skill sets? Because at the end of the day, whether you're a classroom teacher or a building leader, campus leader, you know, leadership was never meant to be a committee of one. And we're all leaders. We all have that capacity. So how do we be intentional in developing other people's skill sets? And the way we do, do that is we always see ourselves as a teacher or a coach because mm -hmm. we're part of that is when you can do that, you're also getting better yourself. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. 
And Jimmy, you talked about the book process as far as you starting out and finding some adversity within that process. And you kind of backed away and said, I quit. I don't want to do that. And I feel like that can really correlate to leadership because, you know, as a leader, we all fail and we have some really challenging times. And so for our aspiring leaders or leaders that have gone through some adversity and maybe have lost their confidence, how can they regain that confidence as a leader? Yeah, I think one of the things is we've got to be able to be willing to forgive ourselves a little bit. I think we're often hard on ourselves, number one. And I think that's, you know, a real easy way to begin to lose confidence and doubt. And I think people just need to recognize that self-doubt is just a part of the growing process. I'm a big believer in reflection. I think reflection is a powerful, powerful tool, probably underappreciated. I think it's really hard to grow if you're not reflecting. And so I think that's a great way to continue to, to look at the work that we're doing individually and as well as collectively. And so the other thing is to surround yourselves with people also that will that will tell you the way it is. You know, that's a skill too, is to, to surround yourself by the around with the right people who care about you enough to tell you what they really think and knowing that they say it because they really care about you, not because they're trying to hurt your feelings or trying to be judgmental or trying to be, you know, overcritical. It's hey, we I care enough about you that that I that I want to share these, you know, these thoughts or comments or my own opinions on certain things. Yeah, on the issue of uh, confidence, I remember Jimmy writing a blog post one time. It was called "The Confident Leader," and you know, I think I think people admire a confident leader, but it's not necessarily self confidence because I think we all have self doubt. Jimmy's you know twentieth year at Bettendorf, he comes off as a really confident guy, right? And I know he 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 knows he's good, right? He, he's a smart man. He's a hard worker. He's very professional, but still. I've had conversations with him in his last couple of years at Bedendorf. There's not every decision is simple. He's not always confident even after that time that he's making the right decision. But what he is confident in is the mission, right? So it's not so much self-confidence, although he projects an aura of self-confidence. I think part of that comes from being confident in the mission. Why are we here? You know, what are we here for? So it's it's going back to your why, going back to your team reminding them that I have confidence in us, not in me as your leader, but in us as a team. And I have confidence that our work is so important that we must do it to the very best of our ability. And frankly, you know, that, that's all we can do, right? I, I think I can't ask you to do more than the very best you can do. That's a mathematical impossibility to do more than the best you can do. But I also can't ask you to do anything less. Our work is too important. So I'm going to ask you to do your best every day. And, and I think part of being confident, ironically, is being vulnerable and admitting that I don't know. You know, too often as leaders, we feel we have to say, you know everything. And and heck, I, I know very little. I'm like Jimmy. One thing we have in common, even though I, I, I think we're both very smart, grown men. We have I think we have a decent IQ, but we both screwed around in our K through 12 years like you wouldn't believe. You know, it's something we learned about each other. And I think that may be a little bit our passion for kids who kind of misbehave sometimes or kids who struggle. But I started to say, I certainly don't know the most about any one thing in any school I led. So I would, had to rely on other people who did. And I think that's what makes... That's what breeds confidence in others, frankly. What makes me a confident leader is when I'm confident enough to express my vulnerability, my lack of awareness or knowledge on other things and ask other people to help me and for me to say, I don't know. That's such a good point. Yeah, Josh, I think that is a great point by by Jeff. And, you know, I try to be very transparent about this when I work with school leaders or educators, whoever, but, you know, that whole concept of core values, what Jeff was talking about, right? Your mission, he, he was always one to remind me of this. 
Jimmy, your mission, your why, your vision, your what, right? Your values, your how. How will we behave to fulfill the mission and achieve the vision? And so those core values are critical when it comes to school leadership and even classroom leadership. People need to know what to expect. What, what drives you? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from a core value? I tell people the core values of Culturize were created to protect me, to help me, to help me become better. Because the reality is it protects you in the sense that it allows you a framework from which to make the decisions from. Because we know that the job of a school leader, a campus leader, a classroom teacher, any educator, it's coming at you 100 miles an hour. And if you're just responding in the moment, you're going to mess up a lot because you're going to be tired, you're going to be fatigued, you're not going to be at your best in that moment. And then you make decisions that create issues for you. And so when you can have a core from which to draw from, it protects you. And quite frankly, in my opinion, makes you more effective, more efficient, more credible, and a more effective leader overall because people know what to expect. And if you can not only define those core values and more importantly, hopefully live those core values, I think it gives you credibility as a leader. So that was done intentionally because I knew that within those core principles, no matter what issue I was gonna to have to deal with at school, I could go into a core value, draw from that core value and use it in that moment to how I responded, how I treated people, how I reacted, how I dealt with adversity or how I looked at people, right? There was always something within those core values. And I think that's one thing I often try to share with people. And I know Jeff is in agreement with that, how important, because people think, oh, I want to talk about mission and vision, but that is the most important thing but what happens is it becomes words about words because we can talk all day about values, but if we're not living those core values, then I think we lose credibility and effectiveness as educators. All right, gentlemen, I want to know what is the best leadership advice you have ever received? You know, that's, that's tough. I've, I've been asked that before and I always struggle to come up with one answer because I've been giving so much good advice, yeah. but I do remember, I, and again, maybe I'm a little bit unusual in this, Joshua. I had taught for 19 years, mm-hmm. and I remember when I got that first assistant principal job, and I really respected this one assistant principal at the school where I was for my last year of teaching high school English. And he kind of smiled, and he said, because he knew how much I cared about teachers, right? I just always thought as a teacher, and, and you know, again, obviously, I still do, but my, my, my lens back then was just the teacher's always right. The teacher's always right. Just support the teacher. Just support, support the teacher. And, and this gentleman, and he'd been doing it for a long time, he kind of smiled and he said, he said, Jeff, you know, you're going to start off thinking that, but you're going to find out there's a lot of gray. And sometimes the teachers, they're not bad people. They have tough jobs, working hard, but you're going to find out that there's two sides to every story. And I said, no, no, I'm so I was a sports teacher because I was going to be doing discipline, like a lot of first year APs. And sure enough, you know, some pretty good teachers would get frustrated at times and I'd read this discipline referral and, and then I'd call the child in and reading the discipline referral seemed like a slam dunk. And uh, then I call the kid in, and I got a totally different story. And somewhere in between the two was the truth. Yeah. But sure, I want to support teachers. I taught for 19 years. I know how hard that job is. But there were times where I had to go back to that teacher and and say, hey, and figure out the real, real, real truth. And maybe more importantly than the truth, the reason why this conflict was even existing between a teacher and a 
and a student. So I, I probably give a different answer to this every single time I'm asked it. But when you asked me tonight, I kind of thought of uh, Coach Clark was his name. He was an AP at Coach Basketball. I coached basketball my whole life. I really respected him. Yeah. And he said, just beware. Because I was black and white, I guess. I can't, sure. It kind of goes back to a bigger answer. I was a black and white person, and he was telling me, you have to be an artist in the color of gray. There's very little that's black and white. There's very few decisions that are black and white. Even when we say something that I think we all agree on, Let's make every decision in the based on what's best for kids. I think every educator agrees with that statement. But then when we're having the decision, Jimmy might think this is best for kids. And I'm not questioning his motivation. I trust he's genuine. And I've got the exact opposite answer. Yep. And I know he doesn't question mine, right? So it's not as simple as saying, let's just do what's best for kids, because maybe we don't know. So it's, it's, I think the black, white, gray issue, not being so black and white and understanding the gray of every issue that comes up. No, I love that analogy. Josh, I'm a little hesitant to answer this question, so I'm going to go for it. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. I mean, because obviously like Jeff, it, you know, I could give an answer on different days, but I do, I do know one thing that I often share with people that I think one of the biggest issues that we're facing right now in our profession is ineffective leadership. And that can come across as, wow, what, right? But what I mean by that is, first of all, is that everybody in the organization is a leader. But here's what I learned in my first 12 years as a principal is that it's easy to begin to look outward and blame students, blame teachers, blame parents, blame supervisors, whatever. But at the end of the day, if I tried today to try to show people and the work that I do today and Jeff and I actually do it together is that we try to show people how their own behavior and the way they manage certain situations actually are creating some of their own issues. They just don't see it. So my response to that would be is the advice that I would give is to create processes where you are able to see the culture of your organization through the eyes of others and not just your own eyes, because they will show you where the issues are, but you need a process to do that. And that's why it's important that we value student voice and teacher voice and staff voice, because we need their help to help us lead the organization, because there will be things that we won't see. And it doesn't mean I don't want to be better. It doesn't mean I'm trying to create this. I just don't see it. It's no different than when an administrator walks into a classroom and they hear or see something a teacher does and they're like, ooh, I'm not sure I would have said or did that. Well, the teacher didn't see it, right? And those are the undercurrents that we talk about in Live Your Excellences. The idea is that if we can accept that we are the ones that are creating those undercurrents and then begin to allow other people to help us see that because we put effective processes into place, then I think we become more effective in our work. And I think we not only are able to bring a better version of ourselves to school each day, we can take a better version of ourselves home each night. And so I think that bit of humility is powerful in the work that we do. It's, I don't say it to be disrespectful or to be critical. I say it to say, hey, if we can reflect what we're contributing to that, I think we are uh, become more effective. Gentlemen, if my listeners are not connected with you guys, how can they connect with you on social media? The best way to connect with me on social media, Twitter is at Jeff underscore Zoll, Z-O-U-L. We talked a little bit at the outset about our new publishing company. You can follow us on Twitter at Connect Ed Books, mm-hmm. um, but that's Connect Ed with an extra D's, you know, Connect and then E-D-D Books. And then uh, 
on our website at connected.org and you'll see the books we've got published, the books we've got coming up and, uh, and some other resources there. So we just started blogging on the website there too, but uh, connect with me at Twitter at uh, Jeff underscore is the best way. Yep. And like Jeff, uh, connected.org for the publishing component of it for myself personally, jimmycostas.com and my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle are the same costas underscore Jimmy. And then YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook are all the same also, but they are Jay Casas and Associates. Definitely make sure that you're checking these two out and connecting with them on social media. Gentlemen, you guys are just amazing. You provide so much guidance and wisdom every time I speak with you. And if you guys haven't gotten one of their books, make sure you go out right away and purchase one because if you're looking to amplify your leadership journey, these two will do that for you. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Josh. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate it, Josh. Thank you.